Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Stanley, your renta yenta, and today on What Goes On Around Here, I've got my old pal Phil Morris, and not old in that way, just long time, I should say. Pal Phil Morris, you probably know him as Jackie Childs, the flashy, sassy lawyer from NBC's Seinfeld show, or maybe you know him from CW Smallville, where he played John Jones. Plus, I am sure you will recognize his voice from some of your favorite DC animated series, like Justice League. Let's do it! Hi, Phil. Hey, baby boo. How you doing? How are you? I'm incredible. I'm happy to be here, man. I'm honored. I'm so happy you had the time. I mean, you are so busy. I had to sneak you in before you take off again. (laughs) (laughs) To my secret location, my secret lair that I'm shooting this secret show. We could tell everybody it's in Atlanta. It's in Atlanta. It's not not secret at all. (laughs) It's not very secret where you are, but what you're doing has been a secret, but we're going to be able to talk a little bit about it, you think? Yes, I think so. Oh, good. I think so. Because you know how those DC comic people are. Oh, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> well, 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 that says something right there, doesn't it? Oopsie, did I say that, <laughs> that externally? <laughs> my inner child, is it speaking again? All right, look, uh, for those of you that don't know Phil, well, you were born in Iowa. I was born in Iowa. Grew up in BH, Beverly, Beverly Hills. Hills. Yes, that's where we uh, met. That's where we met. We met him in high school. Yep. How about that? Indeed. In high school. That's so long ago. I won't tell the story how you and I happened to be in my room with the door locked mm-hmm. and uh, in my bed and my dad broke into the room. Yeah, don't tell that story. I won't tell that story. Yeah, we'll, we'll skip right over that. <laughs> Let's just talk about your dad. <laughs> he is the son of Greg Morris from the famed Mission Impossible, uh, the 60s TV show. So acting really in your blood, right? Yeah, I think so. This is I DNA. So. Coded. Coded. It's coded. Grew up uh, two sisters who two I sisters. adore. Yes. I la, la, love your sisters. I loved your mother, Lee. Mm. I mean, I really, you you came from, from good stock, Phil. Yeah, right, right. Um, but I know that there were some contentious things going on growing up, because I know sometimes you had to sneak out the window of your bedroom. Yeah, well, I was a it. rebellious child. <laughs> uh, Lisa's just throwing it all out. I love it. It, you know, it doesn't matter to me, because it's all good. Um <laughs> I was just a rebellious child. I was a middle child. I was a classic middle child. And the only boy. The only boy. Two sisters. So I'm I'm, I'm bookended by two amazing sisters. They really are. But it gave me a sense of um, rebelliousness that I think was good for me and actually very healthy. You know, it wasn't dangerous. It wasn't off-putting. It wasn't negative. It was just what young men go through. And also, back in the late 70s and 80s, you didn't have to be afraid to do those things. No. Different times. No, completely different social structure and interaction. Yeah. Um, my father was very tough. You know, he came from a very tough part of Cleveland, Ohio. And so he grew up without a father. So he was kind of making it up, you know, first page rewrite. He didn't know. He didn't have a reference. So he really was making it up. And I think he did an amazing job. But he was a tough nut. Your dad was so strict. Are you yeah. kidding me? Tough oh, nut. my goodness yeah. gracious. <laughs> and an, an incredible voice. He would answer the phone and people would just hang up. My friends would just, I mean, his voice was so deep. He'd say, hello, click. <laughs> So, yeah. But I, again, I think that that toughened me up and made me 
right for this industry. I you know think you're. Saying? I think you're right about that. Speaking of toughen you up, what is the Chinese martial arts that you do? I do Wing Chun Kung Fu. You say that. Go ahead, Anthony. Yeah, what he said. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll say like Wang Chun Kung Fu. <laughs> Wing Chun is the mother art of Bruce Lee, and everybody, most people know the immortal Bruce Lee. And uh, I was just such a fan of his as a kid. I'd studied martial arts as a younger man. Uh, my father, when they started Mission Impossible in the 60s, they started martial arts training. So I started with them. I was seven years old. Did they do that to uh, better their roles? Because there was some physicality in yes, that show. Yes, they wanted to bring that kind of hand-to-hand physical combat up to snuff in the in the modern era in the 60s. And that was karate. Karate was really kind of fresh yeah. then. And so when they started that, I started that. Um, so I stayed with that and then found this beautiful kung fu master later on, Hawkins Chung, my man. Wait, you were doing this in school? While we I were was in school? doing it in school. Yeah, I was doing hap- Hapkido Karate. That? After track practice, I would go to my Hapkido Karate. Yep. I yep. never knew that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it was rough. But good. Really, then, really good. And then you found? I found this Wing Chun master. He's fantastic. He was the 2004 Inside Kung Fu Man of the Year. And the person who's getting hit in the picture by him is me. So I've been with this guy forever. I love him dearly. And he's helped me so much just in life in general. And it's not just a physicality thing. It's a mental thing, yeah? Most now, after so many years, it's beyond the punching and kicking, and it really is a spiritual, mental thing. Right? And in this business that we're in, Ooh, we need you it. need something to humble you and ground you and keep you you know, on the straight and narrow and on the path, right? You're not uh, kidding. Okay, so let's see if I can remember this. When we were growing up in high school, I say growing up, high school. Yeah, like we've grown up like at all. Like we've grown up. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I know you wanted to be a race car driver. Yes. A drummer. Yes. A tennis player, because yes. I know how much you loved Tennis. tennis and we were really fortunate at beverly high we had our own tennis court yes so and it was part of our curriculum you could take pe and have tennis or surfing or, or golf oh. or golf remember i mean who, who, has, who has yeah in their pe class <laughs> beverly hills does that's yes, who has that exactly. you know, oil well on the on the property and golf for the so, students all of these things you wanted to be when you thought about growing up and I think that's why you chose acting, really, besides in your blood, because then you could play a race car driver, a drummer, a tennis pro. Ding, 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 ding. We have a winner. That's, absolute, that's right. absolutely right. And my mother was so crushed when I decided to be an actor because, you know, she went through this very difficult time with my father. I'm sure. Not at a time when African Americans were so readily accepted in this industry. We're getting there. Oh, boy. You um, are Black Panther nominated. Yes, for an right. Oscar. We're that getting there. Big. But my father and, and people like him were the ones who literally kicked that door down. And it was not easy. And my mother saw how difficult that was. So as a mother who loves their son and have their son go through the same kinds of headaches that her, her, her husband went through, I mean, brutal. And rejection on a whole nother, I mean, it's like cultural, right? It's difficult. So they did not want me to do that. Did you do any acting in school? Were you in Corrigan's I wasn't class? In, you didn't No, none drama, of that. Right? No, not in high school. you were on the track team. Track team, yeah, athlete yeah. guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, but, but my point was, when I decided to become an actor, I went to my mother and I said, Mom, I know you want me to be a lawyer or a doctor. I will be all of those things. And it didn't really play. But um, <laughs> I tried it. <laughs> I will play a lawyer on TV, Mom. And you did. I did. I did. TV. Yeah. What a lawyer. <laughs> what a lawyer? What a lawyer. Oh, my God. But let's start with your first acting job. Let's see. Oh, my God. Was it Star Trek? 
Was that your first acting job? Um, you were. I'm not yes, talking about you. Yes, yours. but I wasn't really an actor then because what Lisa's talking about is this show called Miri, episode called Miri in the original Star Trek. Yes. And it was with Kim Darby and Michael J. Pollard, yes. really brilliant actors at the time. And what the studio did was hire the kids of actors who were on shows at the studio because they wanted these kids. But they didn't want actor kids. But they wanted kids who understood how to handle themselves on a set, when to shut up, when to talk, wh- and who better than that? Because you came from that background. Right. You, right. You knew. And by the way, will you tell the story of what happened when you were 17 years old and you were working on a movie, Ooh, the same yeah. movie with your yeah, dad, yeah. and he got hurt? Tell what happened to you. Okay. So there was a movie called Contact 303 Combined Tactical Unit 303rd Division about an African-American division in Anzio, Italy. Now... My father was a star of it with Billy Dee Williams and Henry Fonda and Chad Everett and Buck Henry, and it was fantastic. Bend over and pick up all those names you just dropped. I'll, oh, I'll drop more. <laughs> I've lived the name of uh, a life of name dropping, as you know. Uh, I was 17 years old. I hadn't committed to being an actor yet. I was going to go to Art Center for automotive design. I this. It was a summer job, and I went up to have the summer job with my dad. It was awesome. And the producers came to me one day and told me that my father had fallen down a flight of stairs. He was in the hospital in Ooh. Mojave. Or in, didn't know he fell yeah, down a flight of stairs. in Bakersfield. Oh. And they didn't know if he could continue the picture. So they came to me and they asked me if I would take his role. Because my job on the movie was as a PA and I was in charge of all these extras from, from, from Bakersfield. And they just thought I had leadership quality. And that's what my father played was a leader. So I had never professionally acted really in my life since a child. I hadn't even read the script. So I went back and read the script with the producer's son. And long story short, my father was able to finish the film. But I I am telling you, I think it was there for me to start my career as an actor. No question. You know, the movie never got finished. No, it never did. Never. Nobody ever saw the film. So in my mind, Contact 303 was really there for Phil Morris to start his professional career. Uh, Done. I mean. Right. I came back to L.A., started studying with Guy Stockwell, who was a great acting coach. And boom. And then it started. And then what was your first role after that? I did a play uh, called Gangs. Um, with Adrian Zmed and Jeff Conaway, who had just come off uh, the road company. But no, he was before Taxi. Oh. Grease. They were both oh, the road Greece. company characters in Grease. And so I was playing with all these people at 17. And I was like, this is what real acting is. You know, they taught me about um, just responsibility and craft, technique, honor, integrity, all these things that I needed as a young man to kind of cut my Hollywood mind, you know, because I was a real romantic. I came from a, a background that was successful. I saw that's the way to go. But they gave me a work ethic at 17. And um, that was the first show I ever did. So that that's was the first great. thing. And then this, this, the first television show was a show called Harrison Company with Bernie Casey at oh, Universal. I remember that. Yes. They did four episodes. And I played the boyfriend of his daughter. And my first scene on camera ever in my career was a kiss. And who was it with? It was with Renee Brown, who, oh God, that I remember that even. Renee Brown, who played the daughter, and she'd come off Broadway doing The Wiz. And so... How fantastic. Yeah, I get caught by Bernie kissing his daughter on his step. That was my first day and my first scene, and that was my whole thing. Here's a really funny story about that. Do you remember when Fred Astaire did Battlestar Galactica? He played Lauren Green's dad on the original Battlestar Galactica. I did not know that. His first day was my first day at Universal. I'm in my trailer and I see this black Cadillac limousine that said one Astaire one. Remember his limousine? Yes, I sure do. Drive down the breezeway. He gets out. I'm there. He says, hello, young man. I I, I said, hello, Mr. Astaire. (laughs) He goes, your first day? I say, yes, sir. He goes, mine too. (gasps) Never done TV before. I'm scared. 
What? Fred Astaire. Sorry, Fred Astaire. Oh my gosh. So this is the kind. That's another name. Pick that up. Um, <laughs> I got a million of them. But I mean, but that's something. Isn't that's it? how we. St- that's how we started. It's really amazing. All right, now I want to talk. You did tons of work, and then you ended up on Young and Restless. Yes. Soap opera. This to me was so crazy. He played a white boy, yeah. not a black boy, remember? <laughs> yeah. You know, t- Anthony is a Huge. giant young and restless man. Oh, wow. So you, you feeling it. You know what I I'm saying. I remember, yes. Yeah. What was that like? Oh, gosh. You have to, first of all, how many hours did it take to get you white? <laughs> not that you Quite have the darkest few. skin. Quite but... a few. But to, to make it as believable as they, they were able to make it in daytime, um, maybe three hours. Three hours so every I'd day? Get, I'd get there three hours earlier than everybody else. And I originally started the show as this kind of legal eagle, you know, very um, um, altruistic law uh, student that came to town to Genoa City. And my brother, who worked for the mob, who had actually taken his money and put me through law school, um, I come into town, which flips him out because he's working for the mob. He's trying to keep his history under wraps. I start dating the police captain's daughter, Brock Peter's daughter, and um, went undercover as several people to break up this mob and finally the producers in their infinite wisdom decided that i should go back undercover as a white man (laughs) 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 oh god i remember dude you were a funny looking white boy you know i looked like a crazy perry king And you remember, do you know when I got found out? I got found out because it was my wedding night with the mob boss, and I had to come clean. Or else, you know. <laughs> what a career. Okay, that's the funniest thing ever. What a career. I just remember being at home and watching it and going, who the hell is that? Yeah. And then I remember you saying, well, that was me. I'm yeah. like, what? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so then you act, you act, and then the most amazing thing happens, I think. Uh, You fast forward to 1989, and you do the reboot of Mission Impossible, only you're in Australia to Mm -hmm. do it. I remember you guys moved away. We did. Um, And your dad was on the show with you. Yeah. What was that whole experience like? First of all, how scared were you to reprise that whole thing? Um, you know, you were going to be under a microscope. Yeah. Yeah, as though my life hasn't been lived that way anyway. <laughs> but um, no, it was pretty intense. And when the show came out, it was during the writer's strike of, of 87. And uh, you couldn't change a word of dialogue or, 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 or characters in anything. It was a writer's strike. So again, the studio in their infinite wisdom brought out Mission Impossible because it was a fairly modernistic uh, view as a show ahead of its time. So they could kind of like straight go across the board and, and do the scripts without changing anything. They auditioned all my friends, all my friends. And my, all my friends are calling me like, man, are you, have you gone in yet? I'm like, no, man, they're not going to hire me. Right, because you're the I'm Greg Morris' of, son. Right, of course. You know? So they ended up calling me in. And I walked in and um, the head of the studio looks at the producers and they go, is this our guy? And the producer went, yeah. So I did my audition. The next day I got it. But I got it. I got the character of Barney Collier, the character that my dad played, because there was a writer's strike. Couldn't change anything. So the the role I got was Barney Collier, I know. which was crazy. And then when the writer's strike broke, again, in their infinite wisdom, wisdom, they made me the son of Barney Collier. So was it tension or, or pressure? Sure. But I had been 
brought up in this world. I had been living this life forever as though I had been doing homework on this character my whole life. Well, you lived with him. So there you go. <laughs> now, you go. was that the only time and the first time that you and your dad worked together? Uh, we worked together with my sister Iona on um, a, a show called Superior Court, where my sister was a regular and I came on to defend my father, who was, I can't even remember what he had done. so long ago it was. But she and I played dueling attorneys, and my father was the client. Well, you've played a lot of attorneys. I have. <laughs> I let's have. get to the I look good, smart. Let's get to the, <laughs> let's get to the really good attorney you played. Uh, Jackie Child. Oh, Mr. Child. Yeah. Uh which I who told you to base this character on Johnny Cochran? Let's explain to people who's listening. If you're so young, you don't know. Johnny Cochran was the lead attorney uh, of the dream team, if you will, for O.J. Simpson. And you captured his character to the T. <laughs> Whose idea was that? It was theirs. There. It literally came Seinfeld out. Or yes. Larry well, I'm not sure who exactly it was. Because I feel like Larry David wanted that character. I, I think you could be right, and here's why. When I when I got the call, my agent said to me, they want someone who will do a Johnny Cochran esque thing, whatever that is. Whatever that means to you, Phil. I'm like, okay, got it. I've been going to a barbershop with Johnny Cochran for fifteen years. You had? Yes. I never knew Terrell's that. Barbershop on Slauson and and Crenshaw. Oh, my God. So or, you knew him. Or actually, Crenshaw and Adams. Yes. Yes, I knew him. I knew him when he was a DA. I, I met him years and years and years ago. I saw him pontificate on many things. He and my father about many things in the barbershop because, as everybody knows, the black community is centralized in a barbershop or a beauty salon. Oh, my god! So that's where- But how daunting that you like knew the guy and now you him. have to play the guy. Again, not daunting, only because I felt I had a handle on it. You know yeah. what I mean? It wasn't as though it was so foreign to me. Right. And they auditioned all of us. Michael Dorn was there. Ted Lange was there from Love Boat. Uh, Michael Boatman was there. I mean, I, these guys are serious actors. I auditioned. I'm, I must have said a line. And she, he went, you got it. And we walked across to read for Jerry and Larry. I went upstairs. I read. Literally, I did a line. And Jerry goes, stop. And what? What? He turns the air conditioning higher. He goes, you so funny, man. You're making me sweat. Oh, what a compliment. It was amazing. That's uh, so cool. So from that moment, I always felt comfortable there. How many years did you play, Jackie, Charles? Well, up until the end. I started in the sixth season and until the tenth season, you know, so. And can we tell... Uh, yeah, let's talk about okay, it. Okay, go ahead. I have I have a project that uh, so is going to bring Jackie back, and it's fantastic. And um, my manager, Chris Barrett, and uh, the people at Apiary Entertainment, um, Andrew Marcus, John Schwartz, John uh, Martin, and uh, my showrunner, Lance Crowther, who is the head writer for Chris Rock, Tiffany Haddish, Wanda Sykes. Stop me. This guy is brilliant. I can't stop you. We have, uh, we have such a great concept for a show, and we have it all together. We're ready to rock, and we know exactly where we need to go to pitch it. We've gotten the blessing from Larry and Jerry and George Shapiro, his manager. So it's the character, Jackie Childs, right. and he's going to have his own his show. His own show. And are we allowed to say what it is? Well, we can say that it's that. You know, he. I can say he will be a judge. Okay. You know, so he's graduated scripted. to, to judge, judge Hood. It's a scripted, it's a scripted show. show. So you guys don't think he's encroaching on Judge Judy? No, no, it's, it's, it's nothing like that. It's, right. it's, 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 a, it's akin to Seinfeld in that it'll be a four-camera situation comedy with remotes, you know, and uh, it'll have the same kind of tone, but it'll be Jackie as, so the, as the lead. I am so excited. Isn't that for cool? You. No, it is beyond cool. Right. Because first of all, we've all said from the day you started that character, this guy should be a spinoff. Oh. 
I mean, your portrayal of this guy was too good. <laughs> too good, Phil. Thank you, sweetie. I mean, I'm so happy this is happening for you. And right now, right? Right now, in our country right now, with I mean, whatever you think, whatever you side you're it. on, it really doesn't matter. He's a great filter. He's a great, great mouthpiece for uh, all oh, that my. ails us. I mean, honestly, <laughs> he could be really, really... Uh, uh, out of control. I know. And no one's going to say a word. No. Jackie Childs. They're going to go, I wish I'd said that. Yeah. That's <laughs> it. You, Jackie Childs will say the things that everyone's thinking but don't have the balls to say it. Yes. And that's what I that's picture Jackie doing. The genius of him. Yes. Yeah. It's really, really great. How did you come up with the voice? Um, oh, oh, the voice is an amalgam. Now, it certainly is Johnny because Johnny had that kind of How presentational. He had that presentational kind of um he sings now songs. you say this but you really mean that you know what i mean so it was, well, it was, we call it sing songing it's carnival barker almost yeah. you know what i mean yeah and and then i threw in a little uh, street corner preacher right a little hustler and that's jaggy you know jaggy's you know are you allowed to do a little or no oh jaggy jaggy's in me sometimes i can't even stop the man <laughs> you know what i mean he comes out on his own accord. that's the beauty of the show see an actor is always looking for a character like this that they can just Embody. slip into yeah or actually they slip into me yeah you know what i mean jackie kind of infects me and then he says what he wants to say he embodies and you. i kind of kind of go with it you know what i mean <laughs> and it's going to be up to lance crowder and those people to kind of wrangle him up and put him on stage <laughs> and when do you guys think you'll uh, get to it well we had a we had a meeting set up and then um that got put on hold so we're waiting for that meeting to get rescheduled and after we have that meeting i'm telling you we're giving people a gift with this show. You're not kidding. It's a gift. For those of you have, who have are too young, because Seinfeld's been off the air, what, 10 years now? But it's on somewhere, all oh, the time. always. TBS no, or but I mean, Hulu. In, I, I know in reruns. Right, yes. But, but first I'm talking, run, yeah, first 20 run, years. 20? 20 years. Wow. Yeah. So for those of you, you've got to go check it out. Like you said, Hulu, everyone has yeah. Seinfeld. Yep. You can yep. watch yep. it anywhere, and you've got to check out Phil's character, Jackie Childs, because it's really, really hysterical. Mm-hmm. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, so then, as if that wasn't lucky enough for you. (laughs) Yeah, we're not done. No, then, because I know this and I don't know how many people know this about you, you're an avid comic book collector. <laughs> yes. I'm not kidding you, Tony. Yes. Am I wrong to say you have over 20,000 comic books? Right, about 17,000, yes. Okay. Hello, Z. Mm-hmm. I remember this. Your face was always in a comic always. book. Always. I was always drawing always. comics. Always. Always, always. Yeah. So now, you're lucky enough to get into the world of comics, first in Smallville, right? Playing John Jones. John the Martian Manhunter. Tell us about that. How was that? Well, that's crazy because I really first got into the superhero thing doing animation. I was doing a, a lot of stuff for Warner Brothers and Andrea Romano, who has since retired. Uh, oh, yeah. That was one thing he wanted to do, too, when he was growing up, be an animator. Yeah, totally. So so doing animation voices is fantastic for a guy like me. Hello, and then to do them in a comic book superhero vein, amazing! Yeah, but did they know that how obsessed you were? No clue. They didn't how could they know? No, no. They just hired me because they thought I was, I'd was i be good at it, you know? And so I, I think I was pretty good at it, and I really loved it, and so I started on Justice League, like you mentioned, and then as I was doing that, I actually started on Legion of Superheroes, then as I was doing that, I got Martian Manhunter. And um, 
I couldn't believe it. It took a while. I mean, it was a long process. It took a while. And I'm so, I was so you know, nervous because I wanted it so badly because I thought, again, I've been doing homework on this since I was a child. I knew this character. And again, how do you know how to do the voice and how to who they are? Well, because I know the ground of being of the character, and then that gives me a sense of what they might sound like. You okay. know, because um, animation is such a different beast. Very different beast. And you're by yourself in mm-hmm. a booth, and mm-hmm. you have no actor to play nope. off of. No makeup, no wardrobe. Nothing. Nope. It's a really, people think, oh, what an easy gig. I think that's way harder. Because when you're an actor, and you're in your hair, and you're in your makeup, you're in your character. Right. And it's right. easier, I think. I mean, I'm not an actor, but is it easier to I, get into the role that way? I think it's it informs you more. Yeah. You know what I mean? When I, It's like doing Star Trek and doing a Klingon. I look in the mirror. I know exactly who I am. Right. Do you know what I mean? Right. I don't have to. I don't have to remember anything. But when you're doing, like, I'm going today to do an animated thing for DreamWorks when I leave here, and they're going to have to play me the reference because I auditioned for it so long ago that you have to know what I, you're doing. Yeah, I right. have to figure out. But but yes, your references have to be incredibly locked as a voiceover artist because you have very little reference in the booth to rely on. Right. So your your memory, your imagination, your sense of voice and tone. So when people see these, like the animated Justice League that you did, when people see um, these things, they they don't understand that even though these characters, these animated characters are talking to each other, that's not how it's going down. No. So you, you that's a tough gig, dude, yeah. but yeah. you're perfect for it. I uh, mean, anybody that has 17,000 comments. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, I've done a lot, a lot of study. And then Smallville was fence. It was just freak time at the funk house, Just man. the best, right? Yeah, the first time I saw myself fly let's just let's just think see here's lisa knows this about me i'm this guy if i were to wake up tomorrow and i was levitating above my bed i would look out and go i knew it (laughs) (laughs) i knew i had superpowers so when you put me (laughs) you know what i mean that's how i act that's how i am but when you put me in smallville and you show me in the adr booth me flying out of the kent barn i must have watched that eight times play it again play it again play it again <laughs> Who can blame you? All right, do you like playing uh, villains or heroes more? Oh. Because you've voiced both. <sighs> yeah, that's a tough one. They're two sides of the same coin as far as I'm concerned. Really? Yep. The A side is the. The A side's the hero, uh-huh. right? That's and the, the B side's that, the, the villain. villain. Okay. But you can't have an A without the B. That's true. You know what I mean? So the best heroes fight the most despicable villains. Without a great villain, the hero is a little inconsequential. So how was it doing Vandal Savage? Phenomenal. <laughs> because Vandal was like a smooth criminal. Yeah. You know what I mean? He wasn't a snarling. Ah. And I played those guys too. How did? How does his voice sound? Oh, Vandal. Well, yes. Superman. Oh, is that the best? <laughs> there is no way you will defeat the immortal. Uh, is that the best? <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? It's so good. It's so good. Again. And by, and by the way, didn't you also do Black Panther, the animated? Uh... I did the animatic with um, Reggie Hudland, yes. Right? Yes. Why didn't they use you in the real movie? I would have loved to play the father. That is so crazy that you they know. did you not even get seen for that? No, no, no. But they had already established that gentleman in Avengers. Uh, and so... I didn't get that call, I, you know, and I look quite young, honestly, in, you in terms of being. But there's makeup. Chadwick Boseman's father. Yeah, but there's makeup. I film. remember. Played a white I mean, guy. Mandy Moore. Play, <laughs> Mandy. I remember. Moore played plays, a white guy. Yeah, Mandy Moore plays a young version of herself. Yes, and, and an, an older, older version, version of herself. And brilliantly, by on the way. This is us. So brilliantly. It could have been done. My I'm boy Justin saying. Hartley throwing it out there from Love Smallville. Him. Homie. He's so good. He's great. Mm-hmm. All right, and then didn't you voice some video games too? Yes, I'm okay, in the so new I'm in the new Spider-Man game. Oh, you are? I am. How fast. And it looks like me. 
It does? It looks like me because they have this motion capture thing. And so it kind of generates you and a a version of you. It doesn't look exactly like me. I think I'm more handsome. But um, (laughs) it's so stupid. Uh, No, you probably are. I am in the new Spider-Man game. Yes, I do a lot of video games. All right. So how how is it different than to be um, doing a voice in an animated Versus video games. Well, now because of the motion capture, you have a suit that you put on. And, and with a green? You stand yes. in front of a green screen? Well, it's a white room. Uh-huh. And they have like cameras everywhere. And then they have two or three. Is this for the video games? Yes. So that you could punch and you kick could, and do all your stuff? You do everything that you need to do without without moving a camera. You don't have to go into two-shot or close-up. or They'll just get it from this camera over here. Or they'll get it from this camera over here. It is Genius. the most freeing thing for an actor. Genius. Yes. I loved it. I loved Unbelievable. It. Uh, and is it true that you once had a fill-in for Eddie Murphy with your voice? A couple times. Tell tell the PJ story. I'll do the I'll do the PJ story after I do the Legend of Mulan story. Oh, good. That's so, even better. Uh, yeah, I got. <laughs> geez, this is great. Um, I got on the radar as somebody who could approximate Eddie's energy. Is what I'll say. Not his voice, but his energy. Totally, you you have the same energy. On totally. the Legend of Mulan, which was uh, the animated feature from Disney, and to, before the animators can get started, it's a very long, lengthy process. They have what's called a scratch track. That scratch track is what they use then to do the final. Well, guys like Eddie Murphy, superstars like that, don't have the time to fly out from Orange, New Jersey to do this scratch track for three months before they even start the movie. So they hire guys like me or, 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 or actors who have a, a talent, and they, and they said to me, "What do you think Eddie would sound like?" doing Mushu, which was the character. And they played me a little bit of what Eddie did. And so I said, no, I got that, I got that. And so I did the movie before Eddie did the movie. And then Eddie came in and did the final. So that's how I kind of got on the radar. Then when um, um, P- the PJs came out, which was, it's not DreamWorks, it's Imagine. Imagine was doing this. They called me in because they said, will you do an imitation of Eddie? I said, no, I don't. They said, well, we know you did this. And I said, I did that, but it's his energy mainly. So they had this show called The PJs. Eddie was the star of it. He also was a creator. And he was getting kind of tired of doing it. He didn't want to come out from New just Jersey. Just tell it like it is. He didn't show up to work. He just you know. <laughs> so they would plug me in. And I'd record in a separate booth from everybody else so that if Eddie decided he wanted to be in the episode, they would just lift my voice. Oh, they yes. didn't mix your tracks. Mm-mm. Clever. Well, yes. that didn't happen, though. You ended up doing it. I did it. a lot of it. Yeah. I did a lot. And you hear it. Eddie is much more nuanced with Thurgood, which Thurgood Stubbs is the character, than I am. I'm kind of a hard. I just drive it. I'm like you. <laughs> that, you know, and, and Eddie was, was far more, more, more mellifluous with it. But um, it worked fabulously. And it, again, it got me into this industry. I got an agent out of it. Did you and, ever meet Eddie? In all of I've that? met him I mean, before, but not during that. Not during no, that. No, no, no. Oh, my God. All right, now, can we talk a little bit about what you're doing in Atlanta? Um, right, how much are we allowed to say? Okay. Anything? Well, it's you know, it's just one of those deals. And it's, you know, I, these comic book uh, studios uh, with the comic books, they, they don't want to tell anything. It's really cool. W- what I will say is it's a show... Um, that is going to be on a, st- a streaming service, and... Um, it's freaky, it's funky, it's weird. I play this incredible scientist. Uh, I shoot in Atlanta. <sighs> That's about all he can do. I, I can't, I just... He really you know, can't. So when it comes out, y'all when will know. When is it coming out? February. It comes oh. out February. Oh. We, do, we don't have long to wait. Okay, so... So just, I can come on yeah. back and we can talk oh, about yes, it. It's legit. And, and it's... it's it, When people see it, you'll know why I can't talk about it because it really is special. Well, you know, when DC or Marvel, any of these uh, uh, studios put out these comic book movies or TV shows, they really keep you under wraps. Yeah. 
And, and, I understand why. And it's best for us to kind of adhere to that because it can put you in pretty hot water. Yeah, and, it can and you, lose a job. Easy. So I'm not going to press you anymore. Instead, I want you to tell people how great I'm going to humble brag for you. Mm. He does something now for the last couple of years with his sister, Linda, um, with Uber. Mm. And we call him the Uber, Uber Santa. <laughs> and it's the most beautiful thing you do, Phil, because as you all can hear from listening to this podcast, you're a busy man. Yeah. And um, you and your sister, why don't you tell? Uber Santa came uh, about because a, a friend of ours who has a bit of money wanted to um, start this selfless giving campaign. And um, so he decided that what he wanted to do was take passengers in Uber cars. My sister drove for Uber at the time. She still does. Uh, and gift them with $1,000 uh, on the edge, end of their ride. And then he wanted a Santa Claus and, and an elf to come out and kind of give them this over the holidays. And we called it Uber Santa. And we started it three years ago. And it's just taken off and it's been fantastic. It's one of the highlights of my year, and obviously. And how much did you give out this year? 30000 $30,000. And, and you can now say where you went because you can't tell them where you're going, what neighborhoods and stuff. You know, you can give hints, mm-hmm. but you don't want it like blatant so that there's thousands yeah, of people. Yeah. But you guys went to the the the, the area where the fires ravaged. Yeah, we were out there you? a little bit, a thousand oaks and, and doing those those folks out there. and. You know, what's to, it like when when that happens and you're in there and you give that? What's it like? It's overwhelming. What overwhelming. do the people say? The people say the most amazing things. The most amazing thing was we gave a mother and her daughter uh, two thousand dollars, a thousand apiece. Why? They had just lost uh, the daughter's father and her husband like a month prior, and they were going to go to the. They couldn't afford to go to the funeral, which was that day that we gave them the money. So when I jumped out and gave them the money, they just broke down in tears. And told us the story. And you had no idea. Wait, how would not. we? How would you know? It's random for us. Isn't that unbelievable? It was like we were saying, "Well, he's here with you." You know, he's giving this, and they were just like, "Praise God! Look at God!" Look oh no, what he's God doing. was definitely. It was uh, pretty unbelievable. So wow. those stories are. I mean, I can just you know, break your heart with story after story after story because it doesn't matter. This is one thing we realized: you could be the CEO of a of a, of a company, and when somebody comes to you and offers this to you, it humbles you. Yeah. It makes you realize I am not alone. I'm in this with other people. Other people are here to support me. It's beyond money, you know? It's the coolest thing that you guys do this. It really is. Thanks. I love that, that you do that. Okay, I want to ask you this. <clears throat> Don't get upset. No. Why do you think you've evaded becoming like a Samuel Jackson <laughs> or a Denzel Washington? Number one, you're much more handsome. <laughs> you're a terrific actor. How is it that that has escaped? And not that it can't still <clears throat> happen. And probably... It will happen now for you with your Jackie Child stuff and everything. <laughs> and maybe it wasn't going to work for you if it happened earlier in your career. You might have screwed it all up. Right. I don't know right. what God's plan is. Sure. But how do you feel that you've evaded that That's so, so funny. far? I was thinking about that yesterday. I- I'm a non-traditionalist. You know, I grew up in the business, so I have a healthy sense of what it's about. And I don't stomach BS much. I don't do anything that will kill my soul. Nothing. I don't, I don't do... I don't do commercials. I'm not saying that commercials will kill your soul. I'm just saying that some of those things is, is just not for me. That's okay. I make that decision. Uh, there's there's voiceover jobs. I just don't do I don't feel it. I don't do it. Because to me, I'm not pressing a number. I'm not punching a clock. I'm a battery. We're all batteries. You only have so much energy. You only have so much in you. And I wasn't willing to compromise anything to have my family. I have a beautiful family. I have two amazing kids. I've been married for 38,000 years. Love your wife. We um, went to high school with her. We went to high school? <laughs> Carla. Um, Hi, Carla. So, hey, baby. Um, but but I was not willing to 
I know a lot of people that you didn't, want to didn't have families because they were trying to be a star. I don't know what that's like. I don't know what that journey is. That happens to you because somebody gives it, they gift it to you. You can't coordinate and control that. So I couldn't control that. So I just tried to be the best actor I could be and let the chips fall where they may. And um, it, it, maybe I didn't do enough of the business stuff that you need you didn't to do. Kiss ass enough. I don't have an assistant. I'm not big on social media. I mean, you'll see me there every so often. I just don't think that that speaks to my work as an artist. It doesn't speak to my work as a no, human being. No, because you wanted to be an actor, not a star. Exactly. So that's why you evaded exactly. it. That's exactly, exactly what happened. Good explanation. Exactly. But I don't think you're going to be able to evade that much longer. Because <laughs> I said the same thing about my career. It's crazy to me that it's like act two is bigger than act one. Right. And you are stepping into an act two. Yeah. And I just feel like it's going to be bigger than Act One. And I feel like the timing of it is perfect for you because I think you'd have squandered it and pissed so. it away. I think so. If you got it earlier. Again, I was a romantic. Yeah. So if that stuff would have come to me, I would have gone, oh, of course, I deserve it. Of course, I deserve it. I would have ruined my marriage. You know, my, I wouldn't have been a great parent if I would have even had kids. And, and so I, it's all perfect. You made a choice. It's all perfect. Well, move over, Denzel. Move over, Samuel. Make a little room, y'all. Because Phil Morris is coming to town. Me and Marsha Hirajahara Ali, baby. There's a new (laughs) sheriff in town. (laughs) 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 All right. Well, this has been the best time. Give out your social media, even though you don't really. Well, I'm at the Phil Morris everywhere. He's everywhere at the yeah, Phil Morris. at the Phil Morris. So it's not a different Phil do Morris. Do you have a website? I do. Um, look at the face my Facebook fan page. It's there. Again, the Phil Morris. Um, the Phil Morris on Twitter. I also have a Jackie Childs account if you want to go to at the Jackie Childs. Um, I don't have a lot of followers because I don't always post as Jackie. But whenever you see a post from Jackie, it's me posting. I not somebody else posting as me or he is me. And by the way, that page is going to fill up fast as soon as this show hits the TV. There is no question about it. Mm, I mean, honestly, the best ever. (laughs) Just love you so much, Phil. You too, darling. So good. Thank you. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.